SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. One, Ace Mahashule on the public protector and Figile Mbalula's response to that. Two, Shivambu versus the Democratic Alliance, specifically the EFF being critical of the DA defense of Lindsay Detlinger. Of course, we know Lindsay being the journalist or the reporter at ENCA. Mask gate, as it were. Three, the CJ's apology. Judicial Conduct Committee ordered Mohueng Mohueng to apologize for his pro-Israel comments mid-last year. Four, the minister versus the commissioner. Minister Tele wants police commissioner Ketlasi Tole out. More instability for the SEPs. It was only a matter of time, and this is all in keeping with a very known part of the criminal and law enforcement and safety and security system in the country. Five, GDP fourth quarter results. Stats essay to release the last quarter results and overall GDP for the numbers 2020-2021. Lots to look forward to. And of course, because I'd mentioned Harry and Meghan and the royal family and what whatever you make of that, your comments are more than welcome on hashtag Weekend Rap, the first story this week on The Viewpoint with me, Songe Zoma Beta. On the line to dissect some of these issues, Mr. Tsiamo Malacha, we've spoken before, independent political analyst, just to give us a sense as to the we, the weekend's news that were. Good evening, Tsiamo, how are you? Good evening, thanks for having me on the show. It's a great Monday today. Twitter is very excited. There's been a lot of news and hi to all the listeners. Fantastic. Well, pick something that you want to talk about and run with it. What of the six would you wish to speak on? Ace Mahashule, Floyd and the DA on the ENCA journalist, the apology that the Chief Justice has to make. First time ever Chief Justice has ever been ordered to make an apology for anything. Let's start with the Chief Justice, because I think that one is probably easier to dissect. uh, The Chief Justice hasn't been asked to apologize specifically for the content of his remarks, which are categorized as pro-Israel, but rather that as a judge, a public official in the judiciary, uh, an opinion that is so political of that nature could put into question the independence of the judiciary, especially when it's about foreign affairs. And the Chief Justice himself concedes that issues of foreign affairs are entirely up to the executive. So it's also a violation of the separation of powers. So in this case, it's just a clear judgment by the JCC that there's violations that have been found on the restrictions that we place on judges. Why do we place these restrictions on judges? To ensure confidence in the judiciary. Uh, the Chief Justice has also got serious cases before him in the Concourse linked to the Israel-Palestine dispute. And so the question is, how can you be a legitimate arbitrator of this dispute when you have such a public comment about the dispute? It doesn't stop private citizens from having their point of view about Israel or Palestine. It's just about restricting what judges can and cannot do. And that's all the fun. The Chief Justice probably would argue, as he has, in the light of his response to the backlash he would have faced last year when he made those comments, that he is a citizen like anybody else, and he is entitled to express his freedom, among others, of expression. And at that time, he believes he was doing just that. What is your that, response to that? That is not true. He is not a citizen like the rest of us. 
I believe he's the highest paid government uh, official. I might be wrong on that one. I don't have that figure in front of me. But uh, under no respect is he like the rest of us. His speech is something that can decide constitutional turmoil in the country. The, the decisions he's make can affect the very roots of our democracy. No other private citizen can do that. And with that great power, you know, as the Spider-Man quote goes, comes great responsibility. It cannot be faced in the judiciary if he is like a regular citizen. So it's true, he does have some limited rights. Even he would recognize that some of his rights are limited, and he acknowledges such when offering the apology. It just seems like he was being criticized for the speech, but he's not being criticized for the speech. And he's right that every private citizen, even himself, has the right to, to say certain things, and he's allowed to say those things. But uh, if, it's going to, if it's going to impact the judiciary, then you've got to have a balance. You know, and you've got to decide what do you want more, the ability for the chief justice to say what's on his mind in political discussion or the strength of our judiciary. And I'm sure even you would agree that the strength of the judiciary is really important. Well, on that basis, and I'm not necessarily one way or the other in agreement or not in agreement with the chief justice, but on the basis that nobody is above the rule of law. In other words, the law applies mm-hmm. to all and sundry alike. At least that's the theory. Similarly, the protections and benefits within that legal framework should afford somebody to whom that law applies to express oneself as one will. That doesn't mean one is not alive to one's responsibilities. And to that extent, where a chief justice or any other judge speaks critically of anything, they do so through a judgment which they have been called to decide. Beyond that, surely they can enjoy the freedoms of this constitution as they are limited by the constitution you and I would be? What's your argument in response to that? I can give you uh, some historical examples, but they aren't necessarily about the Israel Palestine. I mean, you've got historical examples where a foreign minister said something derogatory about a country, and that country retaliated with a sanction. You've had examples where countries have nearly gone to war over what ministers and government have said with their speech. Uh, it's, uh, you know, not that this is hate speech, but uh, I, I think even in legislation around speech, for instance, hate speech, there's a recognition that influential figures, the speech that they speak from a position of power, can have influence. So I suppose the, the philosophy behind the law dictating the actions of the JCC, which is part of the JSC, is an understanding that judges have power. That's just from a philosophical point of view. But from a very legal framework point of view, the judgment that the JCC uh, you know, brought down against the Chief Justice is definitely consistent with the kind of restrictions that are placed on the Chief Justice based on the laws that we sort of consented to as a society. So it will probably be a longer conversation to speak mm-hmm. about whether or not the laws that restrict judges are good or bad, but the JCC hasn't done anything wrong here with regard to the laws that have been established at least. In the light of what you have said, would you then say that was a moment of irrationality on the part of the Chief Justice? Let's assume he ought to have been aware of all of these things and alive as to the position he occupies and the influence and weight of his words and voice. Was that then what constitutes a moment of irrationality on his part? Well, I don't want to get too much into, you know, analyzing the nature of the words you know, content, irrationality. I think the important thing is that when those words have been said, the only response that the JCC asked for was an apology. I don't think they asked for an admission of irrationality or an admission of, 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 of wrongdoing or sanction of any sort. The other consequence, unfortunately, is that there's certain cases that the Chief Justice should recuse himself from. 
So I don't think anyone should be engaging too much in the conversation on irrationality. The only kind of responses we need to have for this is the apology and recusal. And I think those are significantly okay responses. But if you don't mind, I also want to link this discussion to what's happening with the public protector, because I think that is also very similar. You know, uh, in, in the case of the public protector, there are also some errors that have been identified, you know, by people within the legal fraternity. There was just an independent review that came out that said they might be grounds to impeach the public protector. You know, so uh, that, that's also very similar to the kind of hot water the chief justice is in, except the public protector can't just issue an apology. In this case, they might be, you know, it depends what decision the Speaker of the National Assembly takes. There might be some sort of process of impeachment for the public protector. Well, it certainly is moving towards that direction, certainly if the Democratic Alliance has anything to go by, because there was a committee in line with the rules of the National Assembly and the subcommittee that constituted a panel headed by the former acting Deputy Chief Justice of the Constitutional Court, a retired justice, of course, Bez Ngabinde, and one of the assistants there is Advocate Tumisan Zabeza SC, together with Advocate Deval SC. They well, the report is public and it's been presented to Parliament. It remains to be seen what will happen there. As much as it remains to be seen what we should make of the continued instability in the South African Police Service. Now the Minister is at loggerheads with the Commissioner. Thoughts on that? Well, they've been at loggerheads for a while. I'm sure if you see news reports, there's always been some frictional tension. But this time it seems that there's a bit more merit to the tension. Uh, this Police Commissioner uh, misled the uh, Independent Police Investigative Director at IFED. Uh, and and that, I think that's a serious offense, especially at a time where the entire international community is becoming more aware about the atrocities being committed by the police. In this case, the police wanted to get this kind of technology called a grabber. It's some form of surveillance technology that allow, allows it to intercept communications. And by the way, this is within a much greater framework because South Africa is moving toward greater uh, police surveillance uh, you've got a massive uh, a, a project right now to move away from old forms of capturing data, which was basically just taking your picture and your fingerprint, to now expanding databases that have biometric information, and a lot of this being used to pursue criminals, to verify people's identities, etc. Um, I mean, Microsoft, major international corporations being involved in uh, police surveillance in South Africa. So there's, it's a big and serious issue. It's not just like a, a small little thing where they tried to get a grabber one time, and they misled IPID about this. So the big problem here was that IPID is meant to be holding the police accountable. That can't happen if the police commissioner is obstructing the work that IPID is meant to be conducting. And so the minister of police, who doesn't appoint the commissioner but can make recommendations, has basically told our president Ramaphosa that you should consider removing the commissioner, which would be the third time that this has happened. I mean, the minister of police himself was removed. Uh, and that's kind of shocking that we've already gone through two processes of removing a commissioner. We might go through a third one, depending on what decision the president takes. But it shows you a lot about the history of police uh, issues at the higher level. But I think that the, the wider conversation here is the fact that the police is uh, pursuing police surveillance in the first place should be worrying to any citizen of the country. Let's take calls. Johannesburg, 714-2006. We are in studio. On the line is Mr. Tsiamo Malachi, independent political analyst, here on The Viewpoint with the hashtag Weekend Wrap. We are taking your calls as we are more than receptive 
of your WhatsApp voice notes. Please keep them under a minute, no background noise, short, sharp and precise. Alternatively, send us a message on the WhatsApp facility. The number hasn't changed. 0614-104-107. Callers, 90 seconds. Your time starts now. In Uppington, Aisha. Good evening. Happy Women's Day to all the women in the SAS family. But a special Happy Women's Day to Lesejo and Kanya, who exceed my expectations every time. When I just think they can't, if they can't do better than this, they pleasantly surprise me. Then I also want to wish Happy Women's Day to Pamela Mutine, I think is the surname, and to Bridget Massinger. Fantastic. All the women that I love, <laughs> I've just mentioned. <laughs> Much because appreciated. they do great work, and I hope that the SABC gives those four ladies a raise because they deserve it. Thank you. Very well. Well, two of them can't give any response because they are in studio. That's Kanya and Lesejo. But certainly, Bridget Masinga and Pamela Motene, your obligation is to call us in this hour here on SAFM. And if they are listening, they will call. If they're not, oh oh, now we know who our friends are. Let's go to Colin in Cape Town. Good evening, Colin. Good evening. Good evening to I'm here. If the judge made that remark, sitting behind a bench with a case of prosecuting somebody else and listening to somebody else's problems or verdicts or whatever they call. Now tell me something. If he used those words in his own private capacity, huh? Can he be liable? The freedom of speech, in other words, Judge Lope uh, or Judge, um, whatever judge it is, can sit in his home and say that. But all right, the media heard what he said. But the fact remains is, he never said that in a court of law to somebody else. So you think, how can they hold him liable and want him to apologize? So where is the freedom of speech if he can, in his own private home, or, or even, go, uh, even if, if the media talk to him, and the media reckons, oh, and he says this and he says that, but he never said it behind a bench in a court of law, prosecuting, or listening to a case or anything like that. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much, Colin. We will get our guest, Mr. Malachi, to respond to that. Let's go to Sakila in Durban. Ladies, keep calling. We have had one. I'm looking for another nine, at least, in this hour, 2027. Sakile. Yes, um, I don't want to talk about uh, the story that happened in Africa. Mm. Uh, the guy from Uganda, the presidential of Bobby Wine, uh, just met um, one Guaido, so Juan Guaido is the man who just declared himself president in Venezuela, not elected by anyone, sponsored by the U.S. I've been very generous on Bobby Wine, hoping that, you know, just because Jeremy Seven, the current president, is also a Western puppet, Bobby Wine maybe is the better version of, of Seven, but he's worse, you know. If, you, if the government of Uganda did not recognize Juan Guaido, and they still recognize Nicolas Maduro, 
as the president in Venezuela. And this guy, who is supposed to be in opposition, is recognizing a guy which, which no one no one elected anyhow. I'm just disappointed as young people have been seeing this guy as some type of hope for Africa, because he's, he's young and charismatic, but he's just not the solution. I just, <laughs> I just feel bad for people who have invested their emotions in him because he is a Western puppet, even worse than Nuren Seven for me. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sakira. Much appreciated. Selo in Mokopane. Selo. Okay, let's go to Peter in Mokopane. Peter in Bloemfontein, I beg your pardon. Peter? <laughs> Hello, Sorienzo. Sir, sir Indeed. I, I actually just wanted to comment on uh, on uh, uh, Maung, Maung, uh, if that's right, Chief no, Justice. No. <laughs> it's Mokweng, <laughs> Mokweng. Let's get it right. Mokweng, Mokweng. That's there right. You I also think, uh, similar to Colin, that the man has a right under the, the Constitution to say what he wants to say when he's saying it as an individual person. If he were saying that from the bench in the judgment, that would be wrong. But other than that, he's also free. He should be free to say what he wants when he wants. Freedom of speech. That's all I want to say. Very well. Thank you. Short and sweet. In Bloemfontein, Peter, let's now go to Mugupa Nesello. I'm sorry. I, I thanks for taking my call. You're now. having fun there, eh? <laughs> when? <laughs> No, Glamal is <laughs> There's nothing wrong in having fun. I didn't say what kind of fun. Don't be guilty. <laughs> I, okay. Look, um, I, I think um, let's, let's, let's honor the women who are doing the great job behind um, for this show. Um, I think they deserve a, a recognition uh, that they deserve stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, um I hope you are having fun there at the back. Sangaza, um, you know this issue uh, of 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 um, um I, I believe that they want to bully him in some way. Um, I, I think he must not apologize for what he said. Um, because it was um, my view was it was not something that can. Um, be used against him um, on his role as a chief justice. Um, that's how I take it. But I, I don't want to talk too much today. I just want to let this have fun and you have fun there. Thank you indeed. Thanks. Thank you indeed. Much appreciated there. Go back to having your fun. We clearly were disturbing there, but you felt some obligation to call us. Let's go to Ekoha, Eastern Cape Luando. I'm Slavek. Thanks for taking my call. Indeed. So I uh, congratulate all the women on their day today. Well done. And to the lady who just answered my call. Uh, since it's 90 seconds, I just want to say the Chief Justice, he must be aware that we've had multiple Chief Justices who had their own religions. They didn't drag the office with their religions, with the things they felt as persons. So you respect your office by knowing that when, as long as you hold the office, you don't drag that office to things that affect you personally. He had a press conference the day after Timbisa. He spent half of that conference explaining why he doesn't think he needs to apologize. So I'm sorry, I, uh, <laughs> I just think 
he immerses himself in things that have nothing to do with him in his office. Two, uh, the last one, I hope the 90 seconds is still on. Go for it. Okay. I, I just want to say that the political analyst is saying that the police is going in a direction of surveillance. He's not saying the police was going in, in a direction of, of surveillance. Because it was political, if you look at it, it was, it was people who were supporting a certain conference outcome who were using people who were being used by a certain by, by Zoom actually and these people to, 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 to try and get more money from the state and use and actually shift the money because they, 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 the grab was about seven billion seven million. Let's leave it there. Thank you so much. Much appreciated there, Luando. You did run out of 90 seconds. I have a couple of voice notes, and then I'm going to give an opportunity to Mr. Tsia Momalachi, who's the, the resident friend and now independent political analyst of the SAFM Viewpoint. Just two voice notes, after which his reply will come in concluding this segment. Once again, thanks for an absolutely great show, and you're a great presenter. But we have to go back to the ACE story, ACE Makashuli. Here's the problem. So let's pretend, let's pretend that what he wants to do for everything for the ANC is right. It's not right. Let's pretend that what Cyril wants to do for the country is right. Cyril is right for the economy. What do we need now more than anything in the world is jobs. The international community back him. They will pour millions into this country, billions into the country, trillions into the country with Cyril there. Let's just go for Cyril. They like him. They want him. He can give this country what it needs. The ANC factionalism is a problem. Come on, why don't we all just see Cyril as the shining light? Forget the DA. DA is a waste of time. Let's back Cyril. Brad Marisburg. Good evening, uh, Mr. Mabegde. I am saying shout out to, first of all, my mother, obviously, Ninzuma Kongolo. Posthumously, I'd say shout out to Mamu Felicia Mabuza Sattel. She was such an inspiration. She brought that wonderful uh, session of hers about everything happening in South Africa. Shout out to Pumzem Lambonuga. Shout out to Tulima Donzela. A shout out to Helen Zile, a shout out to Lindu Masibuko. There's lots and lots more. Omamuini, may their souls rest in peace. Abobasenga Koyo. Thank you. I'm calling from Butterworth. Good evening, Songezo. After a very lengthy silence by my standards, I thought let me finally weigh in on the controversy surrounding ENCA and their racist journalist. Well, I'm glad that she was actually caught in broad daylight because I could remember last year at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, we had some white conservative race denialists and their privileged so-called clever black allies denying the existence of systemic racism and dismissing it as a mere unconscious bias I'm glad that this lady was caught in broad daylight because if you watch that clip, she had repeatedly requested black black uh, politicians to put on their mask while she had previously interviewed white uh, politicians maskless. So I'm glad that the truth is finally out. 
Let's go back to you, Tiamo. Your thoughts. South Africans have opinions, of course, and they are not shy to let them out. Final comment. Okay. Uh, firstly, I agree with the caller about Bobby Wine's uh, support for this Venezuelan leader who self-declared. Uh, I agree that, uh, you know, for lots of us in the African continent, that was a bit of a letdown. Um, okay, so on the Chief Justice, I really understand what the viewers are saying here, listeners rather, that they believe that private citizens should be able to have speech. Um, in terms of the Constitution, because one of the listeners said that this was supported by the Constitution, Section 231 of the Constitution is very clear in the separation of powers. Policy making on foreign affairs is something that only the executive should participate in. So it's also clear that the Constitution demarcates. You have to remember, uh, the Chief Justice is not just a South African. They're also a member of government. The judiciary is a branch of government. And we, all of us, put expectations on our government. And we limit our government in certain ways. And we stop members of our government from doing certain things with the power that they have. That's true for the president, just as it's true for a judge. Um, Finally, on the police surveillance, I agree that, you know, this specific story, it was referencing an ANC conference, and they might or might not be an intervention. We don't know what the decision the president will make. But I still think we shouldn't undermine a lot of the reporting out there on uh, the uh, the presence of face recognition technology being adopted by Home Affairs and the South African Police Services. I mean, you can find various reports. Daily Maverick put one out just a couple of days ago about the South African Population Register and the changes that are happening uh, to the uh, Population Register. And then finally, on systemic racism at ENCA, you know, I really agree. I think that South Africa is a lot more race conscious, especially online. We're pointing out instances of racial discrimination and we're taking action against that. And media outlets like ENCA, you know, who put out sort of soft statements that try and deny this, that try and lean into the credibility of journalists on recognizing this shift in South African politics that's starting to be more aware of race consciousness. Uh, so those are my thoughts, and I'd, I'd like to join everyone in wishing women everywhere a happy International Women's Day. Beautiful note to end it on. Much appreciated. Thank you so much, Mr. Tiamo Malachi, independent political analyst. I do, of course, just want to confirm we have had two contributions from the ladies this evening, one per voice note and one per voice call. And that voice note referred to a Makongolo. I wonder if it is any way a relation to one gentleman who now lives in East London, otherwise from Tata, Tami Makongolo, a friend of my brother-in-law. Jury's out on that. I'd love a response, if at all possible. Let's take a short break because Mr. Carl Clutie is on the line, former Deputy Secretary General of NUMSA. We've had him just recently. He's, he's opinionated, and he re- wrote a piece on what is to be tonight's discussion with him. International Women's Day, unmistakable strength of woman. This coming from a unionist.